What are you giggling at already? With three seconds into recording and you're being unprofessional, what's happening? It's just my vibe today, Joel. It's who you are, it's who yeah. she wants to be, and it's who everyone else <laughs> needs to be. In the world of floral design, there are so many educational, heartwarming podcasts, right? Sounds bloody awful, love. I hope that's not this place. Oh, absolutely hideous. I hate keeping up the charade that I'm a nice person. <laughs> How are you this morning, my dear sister friend? Oh, Mr. Messy, I am so good. Like, the the smell of Valentine's Day is in the air. The putrid smell of imported red roses fills Love's my... in the air. Fills my, um, fills my loincloth today. Like, um, oh, horrendous. Yeah. Horrendous. How are you? I'm good. Yeah. I'm really, really good today. I, of course, have got um, I've got four bouquets to do this week for Valentine's. Day. Stop it! I know it's a lot. <laughs> four bouquets to do this week. Are they two and a half thousand quid each, love? <laughs> they're, not, <laughs> they're not quite two and a half thousand pounds each. We'll put it this way: everyone who's ordered one has got a blue tick, and I'm comfortable with that. I'm not for everyone. What I learned very early in my life is that I'm not for everyone god damn it and that's wonderful i really i couldn't care less do you know what i mean i haven't done a pre-order but everyone's not for you as well no and that's absolutely fine i'm I'm down with that that's who we are um but no i'm actually i've got a three-day weekend um this weekend i'm off and every um, weekend really no. every weekend i know <laughs> well when you're as rich as i am at the age i am She's who been, needs to work she hasn't worked since march 2020 love i mean who fucking needs to you know what i did the last um i did the last chelsea and i was like i'm done with this world yeah but I don't she, need to do this anymore. Love, she, last week she pulled an all-dayer and she's like, this is not for me. This is not my world anymore. I'm not up for it. Nah. I don't know how I feel about having to, quote-unquote, work for my, quote-unquote, leisure. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. just, it's, 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 it's difficult to pull together sometimes. But no, I've had a very good week this week. I've actually do, been doing a lot of... um like designing this week, like a designer, because I have a couple of big things coming up. I'm going to next month. I'm going to North, North Carolina, um, to, uh, do, I don't even know if they say it like that over there. That's just my impression of like a Southern, Southern, a Southern bell. Um, so we're doing, uh, I'm doing a big show over there. And so I had to kind of do all like the design for those and like the flower list and the sundries list, the material list. And God, that stuff takes a while to do. And then also like last, the two weeks ago I had to do, um, another one for Las Vegas for later this year. So I feel like for the past week, I've been like sketching things and going, that's rubbish. Mm. And like starting all over again mm-hmm. and all the, a lot of admin. But anyway, um, for today, I believe we have a very special episode coming up. Is that true? Look, I'm actually champing at the bit because I have managed to get... <laughs> love, love this, this person, I've managed to get a guest. Now, it is hard to get guests at the best of times, let alone mm. to get one of your favourite interior designers. And I thought, mm. my God, the fact that he said yes, pushed. Oh, I'm ready to know who our guest is. And I believe we have them on the line. Who is our guest today, Matthew Landers? Our guest today is the very fabulous, famous Australian um, interior designer, Nicholas Gertler. Hello. Hi, Nicholas. Flowers after our listeners. I've arrived. From, She's arrived. From the war-torn Melbourne, Victoria, Australia. Oh, Look, you've had it rough there for the past year, haven't you? The world's most locked-down city. It's gorgeous. It's been fabulous. <laughs> the beauty of I it mean, is, though, is when you live in such a fabulous um, 
place as you do, um, as is well noted in many Australian magazines, how glorious your apartment is. I mean, do you actually have anything to bitch and moan about? I'm not going to lie, I do walk around a lot, just picking things up and putting things back down and touching them and being like, wow, I live in a really lovely house. Um, and it's a, it was a new experience for me because I, I actually did most of the renovation of my place during the first lockdown. And mm. I was like, wow, this is what my clients get to experience lucky them. Is it like that scene in Will and Grace where she's holding the vase and she's putting it on the mantle and almost in tears? 110%. It yeah. is very much like I stand back and I'm like, well, it throw the whole room off if I do this, whereas behind me is just boxes and cardboard and everything in scales. Um, but yes. <laughs> well, I think I did what a lot of, um, I think I did what a lot of people did during COVID and they realized how important home was because we were going to spend so much time here. And I thought, well, I'm, I'm not going to live in brown brick squalor. So let's no. make it work. I think that so many people during COVID actually sat around their house and thought, shit, I thought this place was nice, but it's actually a dump. <laughs> and I feel like that's, has that been good for you throughout the pandemic in terms of work? Yeah, well, the, it was really funny because the first nine months of it, everyone was just predicting that the house prices would crash and everyone would be poor and, you know, impoverished um, and no one would spend any money on their homes. But when we couldn't travel and people were spending so much time at home, I think it reinforced what I've always believed is the power of home and how important it is. Um, so it actually has been really fantastic for that. Um, and just getting mm. your nest to kind of match how you want to live a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Was it tricky though? I imagine it must've been so difficult getting, you know, so many inquiries come in with people being like, I hate the squalor I live in, but you're like, <laughs> okay, we're also locked down and materials are difficult to get hold of. And it's hard to get labor. Was that like a reality that you had to deal with? It's actually really funny because last year was the best year for it because there wasn't really the shortages in materials and we were able to kind of pick and choose mm. the jobs that we wanted to take. Um, and towards mm. the end of last year, when there started to become shortages of weird things like ball bearings that go in a swivel chair and certain types of nuts and bolts and timber and things like that, that's when it started to become difficult and lead time started to blow out and everyone's very impatient these days. So, um, yeah, it's mm. been a bit of a, a bit of a strange time. It's sort of um, a, very much a roller coaster. I have listened to the Bewitch song several times and thought, you know what, I identify. Mm. <laughs> she feels seen love she actually it's funny it's funny listening to like because um, it's the same in our industry you know you say to people that something's not available and they look at you like you're just lying to them and it's yeah. like bitch I'm not lying to you like this shit's not sometimes, available sometimes if I, I could sell it to you Joel yeah. I'd sell it to you but it doesn't exist what, can, what, what, what do you want me to do I actually said to a client recently what do you want me to do jump on a helicopter and fly up to the ship and charter your sofa back um, there's, there's just the realities of pandemic. And I think, um, in Australia, particularly, I guess we, we obviously do a lot of work in Western Australia where Matthew is. And a lot of those clients just don't have any concept of the pandemic outside of the state. So no. they're kind of like, well, what do you mean? I can't have it tomorrow. It's, um, mm. it's been an interesting time. <laughs> <laughs> have you found that the cost of your raw materials has shut up? I mean, over here in, oh, yeah. um, on P- Plague Isle, you know, it has been <laughs> one of the things that, you know, it has been so, so difficult, um, you know, in our industry. So I can't imagine how difficult it is in your industry and the costs have shot up for so many raw materials. I was reading about it, uh, just the other day in The Guardian about like the average price of pretty much everything from, I don't know, like MDF to bags of plaster, mm. you know, have absolutely shot through the roof um you know because of inflation because of brexit i mean do you have similar challenges you know oh, absolutely. Over in australia 
Well, I listened to your last episode where you talked about the cost of a, you know, a single stem of a rose shooting up through the roof. And it's very much happened to us too. We actually had a project that we've been working on for over three years now. And a lot of the quotes have effectively expired because the cost of everything has gone up. One um, home we're doing, it was a 23% increase across the board. And when you're talking in the millions of dollars, that's oh, big chunks of money. Um, mm. And it's, it's presented some really interesting challenges where we've kind of had to go, okay, well, we've had to redesign it because of cost that was already locked in. So, um, mm. yeah, it's, it's, it's been very strange, very strange. But, I mean, I think um, it's so interesting after listening to your episode last week about flowers and, you know, the availability of them and the, the shipping into the country and things like that. Being like a perishable material, it's so, it seems much more of a high-stakes game than what we have to do. Basically, yeah. you have it very easy. <laughs> no. It's true, though. Like, obviously, with you guys, I guess if you order in, I don't know, some Macassar or you order in some marble or whatever, like, I guess either the vendor can hold on to that or sell it to someone else, or I, I don't know how it works, I guess. But I mean, you definitely have a longer lead time to be able mm. to shift it. Whereas me and Matthew are like walking around, you know, Melbourne CBD with one of our roses being like, <laughs> who wants this for $50 by tomorrow? <laughs> Like those tomorrow. awful people in the like in the European cities are like, do you want to buy one single stem rose for twenty five euros? <laughs> I would like you to retract that comment because that's how I started my career. Thank you very much. Yes. No joking. Can you imagine? <laughs> Could you imagine love <laughs> walking oh. around nightclubs with a bucket of single wrapped red roses <laughs> with my headscarf? Yeah, lucky lady, <laughs> lucky lady. <laughs> Not quite the look. So, Nicholas, I'm dying to know a little bit more about your practice. Give us the lowdown. Give me the sales pitch. Um, because I had a good look through your IG and I had a good look through your delicious website too. Well, and you, you do some incredible projects. So, tell me a little bit about your studio thank you well we actually grew during the pandemic so we're now five people which is um both very exciting and much more stressful than i'm used to uh, but we work <laughs> on really high-end residential projects across the country we're also doing a lot more commercial work than we were before which we're really enjoying and a little bit of multi-residential mm. so we do everything from mm. interior architecture all the way down to i guess interior styling um depending mm. on the job and the client um, yes, yeah, mm. so that's, that's pretty much what we do. I guess we have a very specific style that we've become known for. Um, we call it restrained glamour, which is a very fabulous way of putting it. Um, <laughs> but it's where we like to take elements of minimalism and really, really considered concepts. I guess, you know, some things that you would see in Japanese architecture and design and culture and things like that and really apply a very camp, fabulous sort of lens to that and kind of mash that together. So we like to, yeah, throw a few little moments of glamour in. We always actually make the joke that when we're working on a house that we're putting her in drag. So um, I guess that's that's who we are. We basically <laughs> are, because if you're working on a house, you're taking it from just being effectively four walls and a floor to wanting to actually live in it. Well, I mean, you've seen some of our before and afters, and it's very much uh, Butch Queen first time in drag sometimes. Mm. Uh, <laughs> but, um, Do you know, though, I have seen, it's like, it's the same in our industry where people look at us, you know, they go, how are you going to turn that trolley full of flowers into that? And then you come back and look at it. I've definitely done that with projects that you've looked at, you know, you've done and thought, mm. there's no way that she can do anything with that bathroom. And I feel like that um, <laughs> that bathroom that you posted like seven, eight hundred times um, a couple of years ago, Ago, that was the <laughs> there wasn't an angle of that bathroom we didn't see but that oh, was I mean, just like the most fabulous example of just like love she didn't just polish that turd she threw a whole lot of glitter on it like it was yeah a transformation if it's a good bathroom why not 
we um I think we reposted it so much because we had so every time we did we had so much incredible feedback being like you're a wizard like how did it you It was a, it was wizardry I I will give you that like <laughs> it's something like that where you have a transformation like that you know and you become sort of that plastic surgeon of interiors is that sort of something that makes you proud or would you say that you get what makes your proud moments happen is it sort of a you know when you you forge new ground and you do something really beautiful that you've wanted to do or would you say that a transformation like that would actually make you more proud one of the hard things about what we do and that i guess is so completely different to what you do is sometimes it might take us two to three years before we see our our vision in our head come to reality so mm. for me the proudest moment is at the end when everything has gone in and the client is swanning around clutching their pearls going this is more than i ever thought it could be um mm. so those are my favorite moments um because it, yeah it's, i have this vision in my mind and you know it takes such a long period of time for it to come to fruition and there's so many moving parts to assemble this thing um so when I it, hadn't yeah, thought of it like that it, actually yeah well i mean i think what i what i kind of am jealous of of people in graphic design and even in fashion and obviously in floral design is that you can create something in 5 minutes and mm. you've created something whereas we yeah. have to kind of have the vision so far ahead and create that in our mind and still stay passionate about it the whole time um mm. so yeah the kind of um especially towards the last few months of the project there's definitely a moment where you're like I just want this bitch built done okay. I just want to I want to <laughs> move on but then when you see it all done you're like wow this is so amazing and it, it you know what you saw in your mind actually became reality so I don't know if there's mm. a some sort of psychological disorder that goes along with that but um it's it's really quite, really quite <laughs> we'll lovely. To see we'll unpack that. We'll unpack that at another time. Yeah. <laughs> On the next so I feel like <laughs> people that would listen to us would definitely have that sort of question. I think for you of similar to our industry, where it's like you know you have those clients that go, "Oh, you're just arranging flowers. It's so easy. Anyone can do it." And mm. how do you, as an interior designer, because I see the difference between me swanning through freedom and then coming out being like, "Fuck, someone come and fix this shit," <laughs> versus actually just going to someone like you in the first place it's like how do you feel like and i don't want to use the word justify your service or your profession but like what would you say your sales pitch is to get someone over the line no i think justify is the right word because it's one of those things that anybody could do and it's a, a, mm. and it's same with floristry as well anyone can arrange flowers is it going to be good yeah. probably not yeah. so it's one of those you. things that well, a lot of people wouldn't get like would do a terrible job, and they'd be like, "Oh, look, I'm a florist," and there's people like the two of you who are very accomplished and experienced. So I think it kind of um, it really hits home that I like to sell myself to clients because I'm like, "This is why you should hire us." And we we do the sales pitch mm. when we meet the client. We're like, "Well, you know, you can spend all this money, make a whole heap of mistakes, and come up with something that's mediocre that you look around and go, mm, I don't really love this, but I guess it worked." And that's a really mm. common story that we hear, and particularly when people bring us in towards the very end of a project. Uh, which has happened quite a lot, where they'll be like, well, look, we've kind of come this far, but, like, it's just not really singing the way we thought it was going to. And, you know, people love to be their own designer these days with Pinterest and Instagram, and they save a whole bunch of things, and they watch the block and other renovation shows and think, oh, well, this is really easy. Um, mm. And then they realise that there's literally tens of thousands of decisions to be made, and then you need to make all of those decisions connected to the other decisions and make sure everything kind of works harmoniously. Um, so we also kind of... Um, really kind of push that to clients be like it's aside from that you're going to get a fierce design at the end of it we're taking the stress out of it for you 
because mm. renovating and designing is actually quite complex. Um, and there's a lot more like technical information and things like that, that we know, and just the experience, like we've done hundreds of kitchens. So this is your first time doing a kitchen. You're probably going to make a whole lot of mistakes because you've never done it before, mm. but this yeah. is what we do all day, every day. So we know about that little, clever little trick that we can do to get you a bit more storage or something yep. really interesting with lighting. That's really going to lift the whole design. So I guess, um, it's that kind of knowledge and experience that we kind of really sell to our client. But we, the longer I've gone in my career and I've become a bit of a snob about this, but we're very accomplished. We, we do really beautiful work and we, we're told that regularly by our clients and obviously it's recognized in press and media. So we're sort of like, well, we can give you the elevated version of what you could do for yourself. And I think that's just knowing your worth, love. You know your worth. Mm. And I think that's oh, yeah. once you once you get to that place professionally, I think it's so you feel so much better about coming to work every day because it's like, no, I am worthy. Like if 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 you're not willing to pay my fee, then you're not my client. I'll see you. Bye bye. One hundred percent. I mean I I honestly I Matthew knows I literally run to him every time I'm having a small business breakdown and I'm ready to jump off the ledge and he somehow pulls me back off. But it's happened to me <laughs> so many times and he said to me many, many times, if someone doesn't want to pay for you, then they're not your right client. And it took mm. many times hearing that from you, Matthew, to kind of get that into my own head. And we honestly, the more I practiced it, um, I mean, it's actually really funny about two and a half years ago, just before the pandemic, we increased our prices by 40% because we were effectively undercharging for what we were doing. And we, were, we weren't mm. winning the jobs we wanted to win. And we're like, well, no, let's charge what we're worth, which obviously everyone in business has heard that adage at one point or another. And when we kind of charge, like, no, this is, this is what we actually are worth. This is what we will make money on. This is what we'll pay our rent, pay our bills. Um, that's when clients start to respect us more and engage us more. So, um, yeah, knowing your worth is super important, I think. Mm. Can I ask a question? Given that you have such a different practice to obviously what we do within floral design with regards to the timeline, does that make you really, really consider if a client is the right client for you, because I mean, obviously the longest I kind of work with a client is maybe, I don't know, 18 months, something like that, maybe two years, mm -hmm. you know, if we're doing a wedding, but I guess with some of your projects, you must have to work with them for, you know, a considerably uh, longer period. Does that kind of come into, do you think, oh my God, you seem like a right arsehole. I can't, I'm not taking the job. <laughs> or is it more of a business decision that you have to think, oh, but I really want to decorate those nine penthouses or whatever it might be. Um, it's always a, a, a way up of that. And we've done a lot more of it actually in the last couple of years where we've gone, this is going to be a really, really tough job for us emotionally. We might get amazing photography mm. out of it. We might get more work from it, but do we really want to spend two years with the client breathing down our neck, you know, questioning every single decision, not trusting us mm. or, you know, changing their mind every five minutes. And we have let clients go because we thought they were going to be fantastic. And the more that we went along, it just wasn't a good fit. Mm. And with something as important mm. as a home or a business, it's your, it's either, if it's a business, it's your baby, but if it's your home, it's where you live. So there needs to be that trust and you need to be able to have a good, enjoyable working relationship and for it to be pleasant for everybody. Otherwise it's just, it's not going to be a good result. So um, yeah, we, we definitely do assess that. I would say the average amount of time we spend with a client is between 18 months and two years. So it's not too dissimilar. But I guess the difference mm. would be we communicate with them weekly for most of that period of time. Mm. So oh. it's a it's a lot. Sometimes That's we become really good friends. One of my very, I actually very just shuddered then hearing hearing that. I was like, oh, I know. <laughs> I know. Imagine talking with every single bride about every single decision no. every week for two years. No. She well, better be paying me similar. seven million. 
Well, I think that, I know, I mean, the brides that I know, I mean, are very bridezilla and that they want, you know, a very specific wedding and then they want, you know, this flower that, you know, doesn't bloom, but they don't want to pay for it. And all that drama that I'm sure you deal with on a regular mm-hmm. basis. And all that happens in our industry as well. People get, you know, mm-hmm. they want what they can't afford and then they sort of can't wrap their head around that they can't have it. So it's, um, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a lot of stress. There's a lot of hand-holding, but we often find that we're the marriage counselor a lot of the time because there's this adage that, you know, all women are, you know, great at design and have great taste and that the husband oh, shouldn't. Oh, no, that's not true. No, absolutely not. No. I've actually found it very no. equal. Um, and sometimes we have to kind of go, okay, well, like, sure, you love it, but he doesn't love it or vice versa. And, um, mm. yeah, we, we often play the um, the marriage counselor <laughs> in these situations. Oh, so. gosh. So I picked up on something that you mentioned a little earlier about the fact that you have, you know, a brand signature or a signature that's kind of, you know, very identifiable to you and to what you do. How tricky is that balancing your own signature against maybe your client's wishes? So if someone comes in and she's like, you know, I am a Barbie girl and I'm after this fantastic pink fantasy. Do you physically shudder and turn the client down or would you try and work with that to create something that's kind of akin to your style and to your brand, but maybe not so much. I'm interested, I guess, in the juxtaposition between how much of yourself and your brand you put into your projects and how much you let your clients' insanity creep in. I think it's probably kind of similar to what you guys do. Like People come to you for a look and for what you do, but they also have very strong opinions about what they want. And I think it probably would happen to you, correct me if I'm wrong, but people would have that idea about what they want and love what you do and they actually Mm. don't really marry up very well. Um, mm. we actually just went to a new client meeting today and I said to my junior designer when we left, I just don't think this is the right job for us because she, she doesn't understand our aesthetic with what she wants us uh. to create and we just wouldn't be the right person. Um, mm. having said that, I do enjoy a challenge. Um, every single client I've had, they usually present you a few images at the beginning and it is nothing like that at the end. And mm. unilaterally, they all say, this isn't what I thought I wanted, but it actually was. So um, that's a real talent that I think I have is being able to kind of like know how far I can push someone into something that they're not familiar with or not comfortable with, um, knowing Mm. that the payoff for them will be good. It sounds like the first time I'm in a sauna, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I'm joking. (laughs) I'm joking, sorry. (laughs) Carry on, carry on. You're terrible, Muriel. Um, (laughs) Well, we did, um, we had a client a couple of years ago and she came to us and she was recommended by a friend that I actually took the job kind of out of sympathy to the friend because I, you know, honestly the job was a little bit smaller than what we would normally take on. And I could tell she was a Mm -hmm. bit of a ball buster. She had very strong opinions and she wanted us to create something that was really just like not what we do. And I kind of fought back against her a fair bit and we created her vision, but through like as though I'd seen it through her lens. So I was like, well, I can see what you want to achieve. Let me create it how I've understood that. Um, And -hmm. I think we do that in a lot of our projects where we go, okay, cool. Well, this is what your end goal is. This is the aesthetic you like. Let me elevate it. Let me show you other things. And I mean, clients who know too much what they want are usually the bad clients for us because they've only seen a very, very narrow window of what they have responded to. And that's whether through mm. that's you know, Pinterest or Instagram or magazines or whatever. And, the, you know, to be honest, we get probably three different looks that people bring to us every time. Sort of like a Hamptonsy vibe, an industrial vibe, and then like a kind of bohemian vibe. And they're about the only three things that we ever see. And um, we don't do any of that. (laughs) So we go, okay, well, all right, well, let's say Hamptons, for example. What is it about that that you really love? Is it the casualness? Is it the colors? Is it the textures? Like, like what is it that you like? And we'll extract those bits and go, cool, that's what you like, really. It's not actually this replication that you want. It's, you know, how effortless it feels or, you know, how relaxed it feels or 
the colors that are in it and we go cool we'll translate that through our lens and we'll make it you know incredible um so i think there's a lot of of us in it i would never do a job that was just for the for the dime um which is probably bad business mm. practice but I'm, if i'm not passionate no, I, about see, it, see, it i, I think that's great business practice myself yeah. personally i think it's yeah i do because i have you know as you <laughs> would have at some point taken jobs you know for the sake of having a job i mean joe i mean i look at that photo of some of your funeral work often you know um... <laughs> <laughs> you. you know what i was just thinking when this <laughs> when you started speaking i did a little <laughs> giggle to myself yeah because you knew where i was bend going a giggle yeah because i thought to myself oh my gosh i have done some things just for the money oh, let me tell girl, you the things i've I done mean, for money and the things i've done for I free i mean good grief <laughs> That's even I mean, worse. It, I mean, it, I know exactly what you mean, Nicholas, because earlier on in my career, I mean, I started out um, probably too young, to be honest, Like, and I hit kind of a level of uh, notoriety um, very, very young when I was like tw- when I was like 20, 21, you know, winning like awards and all the rest of it. And it definitely led me to some questionable business decisions that now I sit back at the grand old age of 30 fucking four and I think to myself, <laughs> oh my gosh, I can't believe you, you know, you did that. But at at the end of the day, you know, when you know better, you do better, don't you? And I think it's definitely, I think Matthew was right when he says, you know, and you are right when you practice the fact that you should really only take projects that you're proud of. Mm. Because it's how you build your brand. And nowadays, um, in my company, we only take jobs, regardless of what it is, whether it's like an an educational job or whether it's a, um, I don't know, like whether it's a, a wedding or an event or an installation or something, if... I would happily, proudly put it on Instagram. I, I always don't really think that do actually speaks for the more. Money. I think that speaks more about your authenticity too, as your brand. You know, it's oh, like this is, you know, it may, yeah. it means that we're all being authentic to what we love and what we want to do, which means then our clients mm. are also getting the best from us. Yeah, I think that is so important. It's so, so important. Because when you start out, I mean, as you know, you've touched on yourself, Nicholas, you know, you've got the pressure of, oh my God, I've got five staff now, I've got payroll to meet, I've got taxes, I've got this, I've got that. And it can be so tempting when someone comes along with a job that's, you know, it's X amount of cash, you know, it'll be this in your bank account, you know, within four weeks, whatever. It can be very tempting to be like, oh my God, oh my God, that that's great, that's great. And I think that the fear definitely drove my first couple of years of business. My first two or three years of business, I was kind of taking any anything and everything um, because I was terrified of the lights going off, you know? And then it's only when you reach a certain level of kind of experience, I guess, that you think, meh, we're fine. And, you know, we can really start to, I would probably only say I've only kind of lived authentically and kind of only taking jobs that really reflect the entirety of my brand probably only for the past three years. I mean, before then, God, I can show you projects that I've done that would make your eyes bleed because I did them (laughs) when I was younger. I did them earlier on. um, And they're just absolutely not reflections of, what we what we do do you know what i mean but i think i think that, that that's a step that everyone takes in their business i think i mean i have a question for you um but the very beginning i think i was doing that i took the, i was like sure this is a client that willing you know i didn't really have a lot of in my portfolio to show i was, I was taking mm. anything but i was also too stubborn to just let it go and i was like i will bully you into submission until it's what i want it to be and you'll love it at the end <laughs> um so i did that but it's a massive emotional struggle and, you know, mm. I don't, I don't want to fight someone the entire project. And even if I know at the very end, you know, they'll be stoked. I really just, it's too long and too much of a, a stress out. You know, I, I really want things that I know the client's going to trust us to do and that we can really elevate and make special because I don't know how to do things on a 50% power level. Um, it, do, it doesn't matter what job I've ever had. I invest all of myself into it. And if I, if I'm not passionate about the project, the creativity just doesn't come to me. It just doesn't. 
That's so lovely to hear. I th- it sounds like you're doing everything right. And I don't mean that to yeah, sound well, like driving so. in any way, shape, or form. But I mean, when I started <laughs> out, I certainly didn't certainly didn't know that. You know, I mean, no. Matthew knows some of the bloody you know monstrosities that I've created in my I, career. And, and me, you know. girl, like this is you know like no one's exempt from this. Like no, yeah. no, it's but I think it's kind of everyone, isn't it? When you start out, you know, you've got different fears about what could happen or what could go wrong, and you don't you don't know essentially who you are and who you want to work with. And I think it's especially hard if you start out earlier, you know, if you start off when you're a teenager or your early 20s and you're in business, um, you know, taking projects or commissions or whatever it might be, I mean, it can really throw you to, and take you longer to find your your authentic voice. Um, but I love that. What I really, really enjoyed about looking through your website was how cohesive your style is. And yet no design was necessarily a carbon copy of everything. It wasn't like, oh, I've seen that trick with that chair before. It was very much that each space was kind of, it had its own inflections and its own markers, which I guess really kind of defined it out from the next one. Now, is that very tricky to do? So you don't just carbon copy, I don't know, Selena Gomez's bathroom or, you know, (laughs) someone, you know, and just be like, there we are again. Or do you actually have a few kind of, tricks of the trade, signatures that you will employ, you know, again and again, but in, you know, with different finishes, maybe? Um, it is really hard because I try to reinvent the wheel every time. And my junior designer says to me, he's like, doll, just, just take one you've done before, give it a fresh coat of paint. The client isn't going to realize the difference. And I'm like, no, no, I need to, uh-huh. I need to do it differently every time. But what I have learned over the years is there's certain things that we gravitate towards. And sometimes that's to do with price point. Sometimes that's to do with the relationship that we have with um, the vendor in terms of materials or um, product um, that we really like working with them. And there's sometimes there's just things that I'm obsessed with in a short period of time and you'll see a lot. Um, my best friend likes to joke that I go through little colour phases. Um, early on in the career, everything had blue in it and then everything after that was orange, which is what my current place is. And now I'm in a very green space and I tend to kind of rotate and feel really passionately about a particular colour or a particular style or particular mm. things for probably two to three year period. So you'll start to see that in this, in that period of time kind of roll through. Mm. Um, but I think what, if you look quite kind of closely between the projects, there is a lot of commonality, but it's more of a recipe in that like I'll re- I re- arrange everything in a similar way, but it's just mm. what ingredients I'd use is different. So there's, um, I, we, I mean, obviously it's something that I think we share in common that is sort of the elements and principles and the way that we use them. Um, and I think I, I definitely know from Matthew Style and from yours as well, Joe, that it's um, you definitely have a recipe in the way that you combine things and the way that you mm. look at shape and you look at texture and you look at color. And I think that's something that I, I do as well and our industry does too. Mm. If it's not a crescent with some white flowers, I'm really not interested. <laughs> Love. I was going to say um, beige. I was going to say <laughs> I was tossing up in my head whether I just say nude flowers or beige flowers. And I thought, <laughs> but it's the same, like because I think in you know Joe's obviously got his distinct style of you know every <laughs> a crescent in every hue of blush and beige possible. And You're I'm not embarrassing but- me. No, I'm not. And I, you know, have my style of everything clad in tacky black and gold and all that sort of paper. Like, what would you say, like, for people looking outside in, and then I want to be able to give my opinion on what I think your style is. Mm. What would you say that your style is, like, in terms of something iconic that people would go, oh, that's definitely a Nicholas Gertler design? It's the sling in the corner of every bedroom. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm joking. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Go ahead, over to you. <laughs> I I think what it, the best way to probably answer that is uh, probably like a modern 
interpretation of the 70s. And I look at, I look at that era, that, sorry, that era a lot because it was a time of excess and it was a time of opulence and luxury. And a lot of the icons that I admire across the different design disciplines, be it in fashion or in architecture or vehicle design or whatever, um, that some of the best design was produced during that time, maybe because everyone was doing Coke, I don't know. But um, <laughs> I look at that and there's so much of it that I just really, really respond to because they combined a lot of luxury. And um, my previous background before I actually kind of started my business was working in luxury retail. I worked for Chanel, Tiffany and Gucci. So I have this real appreciation of luxury fabric and luxury lifestyle that I think is synonymous mm. with that period in time. And we're constantly like reinterpreting and looking at again. So I think that's how I see it. But I've definitely learned in this industry that when you're so close to it, you also can't see what other people can see. So um, I'm curious mm. to see what Matthew thinks. Well, I think there's, you know, I actually think that it's interesting that because I think you, um, I think firstly, you have a really unique, beautiful use with natural stone, like natural product. I think your placement of natural product against man-made is beautiful. And, and that comes purely from like one designer of sorts to another, because it's like, it's the same as when we're looking in floristry at like the elements of design and we're looking at differences in texture and form and stuff like that. Like, I really feel that you have a, a very natural use that's not overly, um, not overly in your face, but it's very well articulated. Like you walk into something that you've done and it, it makes sense. Thank you. Um, I think if you ask Sorry, any, does that, make, does that does that make sense? What I've said though, like it just yeah, it just, yeah. It's, everything's got purpose as such. I would actually have a separate take on that as someone who has spent, you know, all of 75 seconds examining, you know, (laughs) your career in detail. um, I think I'm very well placed to tell you what your signatures are. Um, (laughs) I think I, (laughs) as someone who has, you know, it's funny because as you paused for a second then, and because I can't see you today, I imagined that you just like pulled your hair behind your ear as you said that. (laughs) I I did. And I clicked a nail with, my thumb yeah i was like uh-huh here we go um yeah no i so i obviously had a, had a good look through your, your website earlier and obviously i know nothing about interior design which is why i'm very well placed to tell you all about who you are and what you do um <laughs> given that i actually thought that your creations were very um masculine i to do get that a lot, like i'm yeah Oh, which, which is funny because um, because i'm not i'm not very masculine I, I present very masculine but as soon as she moves or speaks you know she's a femme <laughs> well, I mean, I, when I saw the beard, I was like, impressive, impressive, you know, here we are. Um, uh, that's someone who can't grow a full proper beard and will eternally look about, you know, 25. <laughs> that's been on the sunbed for 25 years. Um, I thought it was so, Matthew knows it's true. I'll always look like a, a bit like a kid. Yeah. Who just doesn't really age properly. Um, so yeah, no, no I had to look. I do get told I was... that. I do get told masculine quite a lot. And it's, um, yes. I don't really yes. know where that comes from. I think. There's, well, um, a I think, and how do you determine what's masculine versus what's not? You know, that's always Let me interesting tell you. for me. <laughs> I think it was down to the use of line. I think your use mm. of line is there. It's a very lots of very straight lines, lots of mm. angles. Mm. Um, obviously, as Matthew mentioned, like a lot of stone. But it was. I mean, I'm a big fan of uh, Kelly Hoppin's work, and you know, obviously, I'm sure you know you're going to eye roll at that. I've got um, all the books. Still. She's got all the books. 
<laughs> Good. Soft and textured and lots of tubes, tubes. Um, but it, I, there is definitely a, like, a solidly masculine feel about what you do. There's not a lot of curving lines. There's not a lot of, you know, soft, like, I don't know, upholstery or soft kind of fabrics going through. And even when the fabrics are, they tend to be very masculine patterns. Um, so that was what I saw from your work. I was like, okay, she's butch. Well, I think it's really funny that you mentioned Kelly Hoffman because I had all her books really, really early on while I was studying and I just thought that was the epitome mm. of style. And the more I've uh-huh. kind of grown, I still think it has a place that it's still really beautiful and I think she's advanced the cause of our industry, you know, more than anyone else almost in the United Kingdom. But um, mm. there's a very regimented style and a very clean um, aesthetic that she uses that I think definitely influenced me in those early years and I still stick with. I feel uncomfortable with the roundness. Like, I mean, I, I love round shapes. I really, at the moment, I'm obsessed with anything that's fat, fat furniture, um, mm. fat shapes, really kind of voluptuous things. I'm really, I'm, oh, like she's myself. a chaser. She's an interior chaser. Oh, she's a chaser. But, um, <laughs> I just bought this mirror from this incredible artisan and it is this bizarre blob shape and I, this is something I never would have chosen and I definitely think um, all creatives grow and I think good creatives do grow. There's definitely some designers that I've seen pumping out the exact same design for 25 years and whilst that might be lovely I don't I don't see growth in that and I, I'm like, I want to grow and change and, you know, explore new things and get better at different things mm. and I don't think your education in anything you do in the creative sense is ever finished. Um, so we're, we're doing a couple of projects at the moment where we've chosen things that, um, you know, my team have kind of been like, well, I'd never really would have thought that's something you would have picked. Um, mm. and well, that's not something I ever thought you would have designed. The other hard part about it is too, is curvaceousness is more expensive, um, really? to do in what Well, of we course do. it would be. Yeah, it would be. Mm. Um, then that's just because of, you know, everything is a, you know, machine tool these days and, um, working with anything in roundness, which is why you'll see a lot more of it in design at the moment. It's in a way of expressing opulence in a strange way. Um, but that's why, um, anything, in, anything that takes roundness usually requires a, a hand tool or a hand eye to supervise. Mm. So, um, not always, but that's just a general rule of thumb, I guess, across things. And we've had to be economical. We've worked mm-hmm. on a lot of projects that we've turned out. And she looks a million bucks and she cost a hundred. So, um, yeah, mm-hmm. sometimes that, sometimes that's been an influence, but I think I'm definitely growing and changing and softening as I, as I age. Oh, she's well, mellowing. She's mellowing. I think that's true, event. I think you're so right when you say um, about every creative grows and changes and takes nuance. And if you don't, like, really, you're doing it wrong. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like, you want to be changing and taking on different inflections and different things. Like, Matthew will tell you that, you know, my style when I was, you know, in my early 20s, when I was doing Chelsea and, you know, all that kind of caper was entirely different mm-hmm. to what I do nowadays. And I think, and it, as it should be, you know, that was 10 yeah. years ago, you know, so you, you would hope that things have moved on and developed. I mean, I have one burning question of you, Nicholas, which yep. I've been sitting on for the past 38 uh, sitting minutes. On a I'm <laughs> sitting on a secret, as every good boy should. Um, I mean, and Matthew will know this is, this is no, you know, it's not a secret and neither is it anything to be ashamed about. Um, but I'm really, really interested, probably the most interesting thing about you that I feel connected to is um, what I really want to know is have you ever worked with my number one favourite Australian, Deltra Goodrum? <laughs> I wondered where that was going. (laughs) I really wondered where that was going, and I thought, God. I can't believe you all hate her. I love Delta Goodrum. I I love me some Delta Goodrum. I think she is a gorgeous Amazonist, and I would love to work with her. I do know the designers that have Mm. worked with her in the past, and I don't know that our styles really cross over. 
Um, oh, but, is she a I bit like, barefoot piano boho? A little you know, bit, a little bit. Barefoot some macra- piano, some macrame on the wall. Yeah, <laughs> yeah very beach. With a plant hanging from it. Yeah. But I like to think, There's you know, only so like, much you can charge for that. There's only so much bleached anyone, coral that can be in one room, love. Oh, well. <laughs> a lot of pastels, John. Pastels mm. and macrame, you're 100% right. But no, I, um, I, I think she's a gorgeous Amazonas, and she's just this big, incredible character and creature, and I would love to work with her. I think what I would create for I her would be something terrible. totally different. <laughs> I'm trying to be diplomatic here. Terrible. No, like she's a bit of an icon over. Well, no, she's not an icon over here. Every, like I don't know what she is. She started um, on Neighbours, and Neighbours is ending, and that's that. No, she's know. over. What a sad day for Australia. I know that's one of your biggest exports, isn't it? Jesus, I feel like it's um, more of a sad, sad day for the UK actually, darling, because oh, it's like it's only people you, in the UK that actually the watch it. Still. We gave Holly <laughs> 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 and they sent her straight back. No, we didn't actually. She's married, She's married now to um, Nick Candy, who is a uh, a billionaire with um, a past, oh. shall we say? But also, yeah, what a name. She She's is Holly Candy the... now. I mean, is that not a stripper? Holly I feel like this Hot is where Holly you in you, this is where you actually introduce that mwah sound effect, like <laughs> the kiss, <laughs> the level of camera. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Okay, Nicholas. Actually, I do have some serious questions for you. Sure. So, um, I, I I appreciate you talking to me all about our mutual love for uh, Dr. Goodrum, <laughs> but let's get onto something that might be helpful for our listeners. Okay, so if I were a florist or a floristry student, and I'm going in to dress someone's house you know, with some florals um, for a pate or for some kind of soiree. Um, are there any kind of, like, really obvious go-to tips that you would give to other creatives who are looking to, like, put things into your spaces as such? That's not a euphemism. Um, well, it's actually really funny because Matthew's done some flowers for an event that I did in a space that I did, and it was absolutely gorgeous. I actually look at those photos all the time just for the, flow- the flowers because I think they were stunning. But I think it's a fine line because flowers themselves are so uh, provocative and eye-grabbing and attention-grabbing. Um, and it, I guess it depends. Like if you are working um, on behalf of the designer or the architect, it's about knowing what to include that enhances the space that doesn't pull from the space because there is a mm-hmm. bit of a fine line sometimes. And I think it's if when it works in harmony and it works really well together, um, that's when it's really, really successful. Um, I also think, too, it's about pushing us back because this is what you do. It's not what we do. And I'm a big believer in when you work with another person and this is their expertise that you should listen because as much as, you know, I like to think I'm the expert in all things and I'm never wrong, which is a fact. Um, same, same. <laughs> um, listening, I mean, there's been many a time when Matthew's done flowers for me and I, he's pushed back, no, no, dog, I'm not right. I'm not right for it. And, I, and, and I there's actually been times, I, I, think, I, I feel like there was a time actually where like we rocked up with something and I was like, nah, this doesn't belong here. You know, like it's just like, sometimes you've got to also like talk to the space, you know, and just mm. like, if something's not right, don't leave it there just because it's been ordered. You know, mm. that's kind of, mm. I've, I've thought about that often actually, especially working with people like yourself and other, you know, interior designers. It's just like, at the end of the day, it's their space. I'm coming in and I have to respect that it's, that the design that I'm adding a little bit of my own flair to is actually in mm. all your design so i think mm. there's also a, a mutual respect there that has to be you know um looked upon and sometimes it's just really simple like we did a project with youth lab a couple of years ago it was in a mm-hmm. very brief window where i was able to fly into wa for about five seconds and um 
it was just simple. I think it was peonies from memory, and it was just peonies, very simple. Peonies, that was it. Yeah, that was it. Peonies, and it took, that's like, all it needed to be. Yep. So I, I think um, it's it's knowing, I guess, yeah, to answer your question, it's just knowing what is right for the space and listening to the designer, but mm. also trusting yourself. And if you, and Matt, like Matt, Matt said, it's like if you arrive and you're like, oh, doll, she's ordered, you know, bright blue hydrangeas and that's just not right for the space then be like okay well we need to we need to make this work because it's only going to improve the relationship mm. that you have with that creative person um mm-hmm. but um i guess it depends on what what it's for too like we we do flowers and photo shoots less than we used to just because we find um from an editorial perspective it can be a little bit like one point in time uh, and it can be a little bit, uh, sometimes it can overtake, especially, I mean, I'm a, I'm a bit camp with flowers. You know, I love more. Uh, more is more is more. And I, I'm i not as good at it. It's my, the photographer I work with a lot at the moment. He's just like less. And, I, you know, I, I, I rock up with flowers, do everything. He's like less. Um, so we're, we're doing less of it. But if it's an event, I think, you know, this events is what you guys do. It's not what we do. So I think it depends on the situation for sure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think it's so fascinating to consider kind of the juxtaposition between uh, floral design and between obviously interior design and how they can blend together. And as a creative, like you want it to be successful when you put anything in that space, you know, you want it to be, you know, a, a harmony overall or a really good contrast, depending on, you know, what your intention is. But either way, you want it to work. And I think it, it does come down to listening to other people and to really, really reading the space, I guess, you know, to kind of see what you can pick up on and what you think is, you know, an, uh, an exception. Acceptable, uh, but also not being like to too there. trendy with things. Like I know there's this whole like dried, bleached, feathery looking thing that's trendy right now. And you know, I'm, you know, I know Dr. Goodrum has that uh, everywhere. Oh, she's got it in her hair. <laughs> in a vase, you know that she's got pampas oh, grass yeah. in a chinoseri vase. That is what that woman has. Barefoot next to the piano, looking wistfully out into the ocean, <laughs> while spraying her ghastly perfume everywhere to mask the smell of the dead water. I'm sure. What do you mean, ghastly perfume? I need to get my hands on someone. Didn't even oh, know she has. We'll send you some for Christmas, we'll love. <laughs> um, Hilarious. But I think it's like I think obviously in anything you creative, there is trends. But I'm a big believer in that good design is timeless, and it might indicate mm-hmm. a, a period in time that something happened, and it's very clear. I mean, things like um, Holston's office um, in the seventies in New York. It looks dated now when you look at it, but it was the height of style, and there's really, really excellent design and. Um, I guess it brings me back to something I feel really passionately about, and I know Matthew does as well, is the elements and principles of what we do, because it's the language yeah. um, of how of what we do. And I think a lot of people don't pay enough attention to it, especially in education. Um, it's the foundation it's, of what we do. Oh, yeah. It's the building blocks. It's how we express creativity. And I think when it's been really well designed, when the relationship between the shapes is beautiful and the scale is correct and there's harmony and there's, you know, it, something feels really well put together. It doesn't matter if that you look at that in 40 years, it's still really chic. Um, and I think sometimes, I mean, I, just with what I see in the floral trend thing, obviously I'm not as invested as the two of you, but when I look through flowers, I'm like, dull every wedding at the moment. It's pampas grass and beige. And I don't know if Kim Kardashian's to blend for that or not. But, um, you know, I'm like, is, is that is that, you know, right for everybody? No, it's probably not. Yeah. Absolutely. It really hurts my innocent eyes. I think, Stop it. I think on that point, 
<laughs> it's it's really good to note, though, like, for instance, you know, if you... I think one of the reasons that Nicholas and I have also worked together on projects before is because my style suits his properties. But, like, mm. if, if Nicholas was to... And I know that this would never happen. If Nicholas was to do some Hamptons fantasy with, you know, <laughs> blue and white tapestries everywhere, he wouldn't call me because it's not what I would do justice to. I would say to him, oh, darling, no, call this florist. This florist is going to be the right person for that job. And I think yeah, that's really Grundy important. Flora. Call someone else, love. <laughs> I think it's just, it's important to make sure that you are working with people. It's the same as like choosing your clients, being like, nah, that client mm. does, it's not for me. It's like, choose the mm-hmm. other vendors that you work with to make sure that you're all speaking the same design language. I remember I sent you a photo. I think it was a, a, a little bit embarrassed about this one, but it was a screenshot of a, of a moment in Fifty Shades of Grey. And there's this poxy arrangement, which at the time I was obsessed with on the table. <laughs> and, I, and I was like, I want to do this for the shoot. And you just sent me back that eye ra- like eyebrow raised emoji. And I was like, what? It's fierce. What are you talking about? There's Balanopsis in it. There's fucking orchids in it. It looks gorgeous. And you're like, dog's plastic. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, but I need uh, to love it. I love it, but you know, I think um, you're right. It comes down to, and it's not anything that you would have done at all. Like stylistically, yeah. had nothing to do oh. with you, um, and it was it was just the wrong choice, absolutely. And I'm very yeah. glad that we, <laughs> we did not do my epoxy plastic arrangement. Well, I mean, as, you, as you just said, and I quote, it's like sometimes <laughs> you just don't need it. You know, like it, it no. adds it adds date to your to your work. So yeah, no. wise choices. We were, we were all born to try. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we need to mullet on cocktail this woman full of Delta Goodman. I think it's just like, you know, I honestly, like she makes my blood boil. Like, I don't know what it is about that woman. Oh my god, I hope she doesn't hear this. This is going to be the title of the episode, Design with Delta Goodrum. No, it doesn't matter how innocent your eyes are, love. She is, she's not for me. So, darling Nicholas, what would you say to a uh, a floral designer, a florist, or a floral artist out there who might want to work with an interior designer? Like, what would what would be some of the key considerations? Like, how would a florist, if I didn't know you, what would, how would I? I don't want to say stroke your ego. How would I approach you in such a way that makes you go, hmm, this florist is actually aside from our work aligning, our you know design language. Um, this florist is someone I want to work with. Like, what would make that stand out to you? I think the best relationships like that tend to be organic mm-hmm. ones. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. I obviously start by following you on Instagram and commenting on absolutely every post about how fabulous I am. But, I mean, I think it's... <laughs> I mean, Especially that bathroom from years ago, I mean, honestly. <laughs> oh, that bathroom. Um, I think it would be the best... I mean, if, if, the way I like to be approached for collaborations and things mm-hmm. like that personally is just that someone obviously follows your work engages with you on social media like okay well who is this bitch like who is this woman who is loving Mm. me and then we'll do a bit of investigating and if we think it's like it's a hit like i'm a big believer in you know the the people i follow on instagram aside from very attractive men um uh you know other creators (laughs) across (laughs) disciplines that i find interesting i mean i'm not interested in what you what avocado toast you made breakfast but i want to see your (laughs) life and what what work you create and who you are and what you do 
And so much of business for me and uh, working with other creatives is going, I like working with this person. They, you know, I like, I like the way that we interact. We actually just did a photo shoot recently for a hair salon, the very bougie suburb in, in Sydney that we did. And the florist was actually really fantastic. And we actually didn't unfortunately mm. capture any of the photos of it, but it was so fantastic to deal with the, the it was, nothing was too difficult. Um, you know, indulged, indulged my, um, my fantasy. And was it the one I referred you to? It actually wasn't. And very interestingly, they never replied to us and we tried several wow. times. So I was a little Brilliant. bit off put by that because I was like, yeah. oh, your work is absolutely beautiful. Um, this is exactly what we want. You've been referred by someone in the industry that you would also know. Um, and they reply. And we tried a couple of different times and there's been some interested. So um, wow. I found that a little bit confronting and it really kind of put a sour taste in my mouth. And um, working with any creatives, if, if you're difficult to deal with or you, your diva complex is bigger than mine, it's not going to happen, Joel. No. Um, <laughs> there can only be one queen on the stage and it will be me. But um, no, I, I, I really like people who love what they do and are passionate about what they do and also don't take things too seriously. I like to have a bit of a laugh. No. You were born to try, love. Uh, she was born to try, <laughs> She yeah, believes yeah. it then. I she mean, believes. It's, <laughs> <laughs> it's so true, though, that, like, I think what, you, what you're kind of getting at a little bit there is, um, you know, p- people do business with people. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. at the end of the day, you have to be pleasant and nice and, you know, you have to be able to understand, you know, what people want and deliver it. And I think sometimes people can get a little bit caught up in the look or, you know, oh, the yeah. vision or whatever. But, I mean, answer your emails and be a nice person and, you know, that can also go oh, on. Also, one thing. Booked as well, you know. One thing I don't like is that we might approach you for something really small and it might be a gift for a client it might be we just need one tiny arrangement for a photo shoot or something Mm -hmm. like that and Mm -hmm. that relationship i like working with people over and over so i like people who they will put the same amount of effort into a hundred dollar arrangement than they would a five thousand dollar arrangement or a twenty five thousand dollar one as i heard happens in the uk so um, I think as long as you treat every new client like a potential possibility, and particularly when you're working with other creators, you've obviously done a bit of a stalk with your Instagram. Everybody does that. And go, okay, well, this, this person's, they're, they're doing things. They're, they're making things happen. We, mm-hmm. should, we should connect with them. And I think that's just mm-hmm. being a good human, being a good business. I think it's I also, mean- it doesn't even matter if you're sitting on top of the world. Um, I, oh, I was going to do that one next. No, I think it's uh, <laughs> it's so true, though, what you say. Like, there's been jobs, for instance, that I have done for Nicholas, which might have just been a $100 job, you know, like me chucking some flowers on a coffee table for Nicholas for a shoot. But then mm. that client of his that he has basically gifted me has ordered flowers every fortnight since then, you know? So, it's mm. like... Um, the, I think when you're in business like that, exactly as Nicholas said, you have to think of how you can, um, you know, build, you know, partnerships together because obviously together we are one, you know. <laughs> Did no one get that one? I <laughs> didn't know. I was <laughs> together we are one. Like, I mean, that's, yeah, yeah we are all Delta Goodrum <laughs> at the end of the day. Not me, not I. No. <laughs> I'd be uh, lost without you. Mm. Oh, oh, that was my one next. I'm losing this. I'm losing this. She's paralysed. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, Jesus. God. Nicholas, thank you. <laughs> thank, you. <laughs> thank you so much for joining us today. And I'm so um, sorry that this has turned into a total pun fest. It's um, okay. You'll believe know. again. 
Stop it! I am going to mute your microphone if you carry on with this. No, thank you for having me. It's so predictable. Uh, <laughs> oh, you too. I'm trying to thank you. Be quiet. <laughs> well, we love you. We're so grateful that you you took the time out of your day for um for you, our podcast. I, I know you said that I you asked me. I bullied my way onto this. Listeners, don't get it twisted. I love the podcast. <laughs> it's fabulous. I think no matter what you do, I get something out of it, and I and that, it's fantastic to be on it. Thank you for having me. <laughs> no, I, well, I'm so I'm so delighted to be your friend, and so delighted to have watched you like you've watched me, and we've both watched our journeys together you know like growing mm. from being um wonderful to really wonderful so yeah oh, sitting on well, top of the world yeah, could not have yeah done keep climbing love just a bridge over troubled dreams see you Dal. bye love Thank you so much for joining us today, guys, for this episode of Flowers After Hours. We have had an absolute hoot doing it, and I hope it's been doing it for you. It's been a hooty toot. Make sure you click subscribe down below and that you leave us a rating and review. That would mean the absolute world to us, and you do not want to miss an episode of Flowers After Hours. Help us on our way to becoming the next Floral Kardashians, and we'll see you on the next one. I am the goose. The egg has been laid. <laughs>